Would you grab your copy of God's Word? We're going to go to two places this morning, two addresses, two locations in Scripture. We're going to start in Psalm chapter 78, where we started and finished up last week. Psalm chapter 78, and then we're also going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, a little further back, more near the beginning of Scripture in our copy of God's Word. So Psalm 78, Deuteronomy chapter 6. As you're finding that place, the conversation we're in is about our efforts to make sure that the next generations know the Lord. And today and next week as well, we're going to basically have... Uh, one sermon in two different parts, just because it would take too long for me to try to go through everything in one time together. And I want you to know, as we talk about our subject today and next week, talking about the role of parents in making sure that the next generation knows Jesus, I want you to know we're on this journey together. Like some of you, uh, Amber and I are in the same place of trying to navigate new waters. We, we've never had the kids the ages they are right now, so it's new territory for us, right? And how many parents would be honest, be honest in the room? It's really important that we're honest. How many of you would say, you know, sometimes we feel like we blow it, right? Sometimes we just feel like we don't get it right. Sometimes we, we have question marks. Sometimes we may feel like we don't know how to tackle something or we're trying to learn how to tackle something. So what I want you to know is in this conversation, we're on this journey together. Maybe you are parents, but you're empty nesters, and maybe your kids have grown up and they've left home and they're out on their own. And Maybe you look back and say, well, I wish I would have done this differently. Or maybe you say, these were things that seemed to work well for our family. God may want to use you to speak into those parents in the next generations behind you as well. And then maybe your grandparents at this point, and uh, you think, praise the Lord, grandchildren are the gift from God's because we didn't kill our own kids. <laughs> and we're free. We can sugar them up and we can send them home and we don't have to worry about it. I hear some grandparents rejoicing. I mean, I, y'all are almost shouting right now. It's crazy. And yet, grandparents... You may have a role right now in helping those parents, those grandchildren. You may even have a role in being spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers to kids who are coming up, the next generation of students who come from broken homes, broken families, fatherless generation, some have called them. Uh, There's so many things to take out of this conversation, so much more that that myself and our next-gen leaders, our kids' leaders, our youth leaders could speak into this conversation, and I've invited them to do that as we're on this journey these next couple of weeks. But just know that we're on this journey together. We're all trying to do it God's way. And uh, we're learning, we're growing, and hopefully these next couple of weeks will help us. This week, we'll walk through this together. Next week, we'll jump into a little more of the practicality of what does this look like day in, day out as we're leading our families. Would you stand with me for just one more moment? Psalm chapter 78. Verse 7 kind of gives us an overarching theme to this conversation. Psalm 78, verse 7. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. So I'm thankful for my godly heritage. Many of you may be as well. I had a grandmother who served in ministry for years. I had a mom and dad who loved the Lord and who modeled that and, and made sure we were in a local church community, so on and so forth. But ultimately, faith has to become my own, our own, right? And so we're, we're realizing in Scripture that it's not enough just for mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or whomever to have faith. We want the next generations to embrace Jesus for themselves. 
it's important that each generation set its hope anew on God. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We'll talk a little deeper about this passage in a few moments. Deuteronomy 6, beginning verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the opportunity to gather around it. May we have such an attention to what you're saying. May we cherish your words and by the help of the Holy Spirit, may we live it out. Help us not to just be hearers, but doers of your word. Would you speak to us in these moments and help us, Lord, as we navigate territories that maybe we've never been in before, God. Give us wisdom as parents to be able to help those next generations know you. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, to put in summary, if you missed last week's message, we must reach, teach, serve, and invest in the next generation. We must reach, teach, serve, and invest in the next generations. God's vision for His church is bigger than just one generation. Next generations are the present and future of the church. We don't ever want our church, our local church or any local church, to die when the people die. Uh, assuming the Lord tarries, we, we don't want a local church to, to not have life and to be thriving. We also determined that next generations are filled with needs that need to be met. We perhaps have never had a generation or generations now that are so battling through their life with anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. They're coming from broken homes and fractured families, at times called the fatherless generation. And some, it's not just the fathers, it's parents in general. Just this morning, I met someone in that situation where neither parent is in the picture whatsoever. We must reach, teach, serve, and invest in the next generations because they have needs that need to be met. And they they ultimately, like every person, need to be introduced to Jesus and know the joy of life in God. We want everyone, always, everywhere, to know the joy of walking with Jesus, to know how to navigate this life that seems to be some pretty hard days sometimes, to be, be able to navigate this life with Jesus, not alone, with joy and not with sadness, with, with peace and not with chaos. If you miss this message, you can always go back and listen to it, but I want to pick up in our text this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's referred to commonly as the Shema in Hebrew, well-known in the Old Testament, would have still been well-known among the Jewish people in the New Testament because Jews, many of them, 
would recite this passage that we've read every day in their lives, and especially regularly in their synagogue meetings. Notice how it started. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Before you get to anything else, it's all about who has your love and your attention. It's all about who we love and who has our attention, who has our focus. We reverence God because there's no one like Him. We worship Him because He alone deserves our praise. And we follow Him paying attention to his commands, cherishing his instructions, following his leading. Uh, scripture talks about how his words and his instructions are like honey to our lives. It's, there's a sweetness of the Lord speaking into our lives, and, and not just because it's an option of what could be good in the way to live life, but because it's actually best for us. And it's coming from the Lord himself to our lives. The first and greatest commandment was about who we love and who has our attention. Jesus would repeat this himself in the Gospels. And when we love him and when we reverence him and when we see him for who he is, the more we want to love him, the more we want to grow in him, the more we want to be obedient. That obedience in our lives of living for God flows from a heart that loves God. Notice that the instructions continued from who you love to making sure others love the Lord as well, to influence those coming behind us. The second part of the instruction brings awareness once again to the need to pass on love for God and His Word to the next generations. Read it again. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. There is something intentional about what's being instructed to the people of Israel here. Don't just take it for granted. Don't just, don't just meander through life, if you will. But follow God, love God, and then pass that on to the next generations. When I think of the word impress, I think about an impression that is left on someone. Uh, or maybe an impression of a thumbprint that we could have. But in, in our lives, it's about leaving an impression in our kids, leaving a mark, teaching them diligently so that their future can be led of the Lord. Scripture also teaches us here that we're to be talking about God talking about His Word with our kids, spending time in the morning and the evening and at home or on the go talking about the Lord. It reminds me of the words of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. We often say it like this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And we kind of separate. Go is what the church world would call evangelism and make disciples is discipleship, right? But in reality, they all go together. And it probably better reads, as you are going, make disciples. We, we talk about the word go, and, and for good reason, because we're talking about missionaries often going to unreached people groups. But in reality, what Jesus is trying to say is, as you are living life, as you're at work, as you're in your home, as you're in your neighborhood, as you're riding in the car, whatever it is that you're doing in day-to-day -day life, as you are going, look for ways to talk about God, to bring focus to God. Look for ways to keep your eyes on Him and to help your children keep their eyes on Him. Continue as you are going to make 
disciples. And ultimately, our children are our first line of disciples. Now, it may be a little bit different for me compared to some just because vocational ministry is our life. But I've always said, and and I've heard many others say it, so it's probably not original to me. If I lead many people to follow Jesus, and yet I don't lead my children to follow Jesus, I've missed the mark. I, I should never sacrifice my children on an altar of vocational ministry. It's this idea that as much as we want to reach our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and the people around us, all of that is, should be part of our lives. But we also don't want to forsake the people who are right there in our homes, who are, who are carrying our DNA. We want to make sure that we recognize our children are our first line of disciples that we make. So we're looking for ways in our daily conversations. We're looking for ways in how we're navigating life. We're looking for ways to point to Jesus and to bring the principles of God's Word into everyday life. We're in a crisis as a family, per se. And you're teaching your kids in that moment, how are we going to respond to crisis? We're going to pray, right? We're teaching them in that moment about the beauty of God's handiwork in creation. Look at that sunrise. Look at that sunset. Doesn't God have an incredible power to be able to do all of this and how complex it is? There's so many different ways, and we're talking about that on Wednesday nights right now in our adult Bible study. How do we incorporate the gospel the message about Christ, the message of truth, the Word of God, how do we incorporate that into our daily conversations? How do we sow those threads of the gospel and the truth into our daily conversations? And we want to do that same thing with our children. Notice that in Deuteronomy 6, it also says that we are to tie or to write the words of God. So it's this idea that we're to remind ourselves, we're to keep it in front of our eyes, we're to think on the instruction of God, we're to be careful not to lose sight of what God has said and to make sure we're committed to it. Now, if you study, you'll find that there were a number of people in the Jewish community, especially in this time in the world, who would have actual boxes of Scripture that would be attached to their clothing. So they would literally carry the Word of God, carry the truth of God with them. The idea here is that we're to carry God's instructions and His commands so close to us as if they are attached to our bodies. It's that there is no separating our life from the instruction of God, but the instruction of God and the love of God and what God wants in our lives is always going to be part of every conversation. Our lives are built around the gospel, the truth of God's Word. It reminds me years ago, before we had Siri on our devices, it reminds me of people who would tie a string around their finger to remind them to do something. Now all we have to do is say, Hey Siri, remind me to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, By the way, Siri can be dangerous. If you don't know this, I turned her off on my watch because after you make a couple accidental phone calls and don't know you're talking to people, you'll turn that off. Or, Or you're from the South and she can't understand what you're saying, so she thinks you called her name and you really didn't. I've had it happen. The idea here is that we want to keep the truth of God in front of us. We want to keep ourselves immersed in the Word of God. We want to remind ourselves what He said. And so ultimately what we're saying here is we don't want to just live a life of following Jesus ourselves, but we also want to inspire our children to follow Jesus. 
How do we teach them? How do we model it to them? How do we keep the truth of God in front of them so that they too can grow to follow Jesus? What we're ultimately saying today in the first part of this conversation is this. We cannot overemphasize the impact of godly parents. I could stand up here and talk probably for hours on end about parenting and the role that parents play in the discipleship of their children. And even then, we wouldn't be overemphasizing that fact. We cannot overemphasize the impact of godly parents. And let's, for the sake of conversation, define what we mean by godly parents. Godly parents, we're not saying that you're perfect. Because we've all confessed, or at least a lot of us that are telling the truth in the room today, we've confessed that we've all felt like we've blown it somewhere along the way. We've all felt like we didn't get it right somewhere along the way. Uh, I've had conversations today, and I was, I was referencing in the conversation about myself and how uh, we, we all grew up saying, we're never going to be like mom, or we're never going to be like dad, right? Until the moment we are. And you start hearing it come out. I would never say things like mom and dad said them. And then all of a sudden you're in the car and you say, don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> or maybe, maybe you, you didn't think you'd ever say it, but all of a sudden you hear your dad coming out saying, you better stop or I'm going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> We've all been there. We learn from that. So when we're talking about godly parents, we're, we're not talking about being perfect. We're, we're not talking about moments where maybe we blow up or overreact or things that we wish we'd done differently in that sense. What we mean by godly parents is parents that follow Jesus, parents who teach Jesus to their children, and parents who model what it means to have a healthy, ongoing relationship with Christ. It's, it's teaching and modeling. It's speaking and modeling. It's speaking truth and then living what we speak. Here's the reality our children are going to learn from someone. And right now, if, if you haven't figured this out, there are a lot of voices wanting to be those someones. They're going to learn from someone. It be better be us and be about following Jesus. I once heard uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, who is associated with Exo Marriage. Some of you have been part of our marriage nights, and we've had sessions of, from the Exo Marriage Conference, and uh, part of you maybe have listened to a podcast from them or read their resources, different books. And I heard Pastor Jimmy Evans reflect once on the impact of godly parents. Here, here was a profound statement that he made, and I think it's true. So much of who we are today is connected to our past and to our parents. In fact, uh, every couple that I ever do premarital counseling with, we deal with who was what role, who served what role in the home when you were growing up. Because that shapes your present perspective. So much of who we are today is connected to past. That can be good, that can be bad. That can be healthy, that can be unhealthy. So much of, our, our, of who we are today is connected to our past and also connected to our parents. So Pastor Jimmy Evans talks about the impact of godly parents, and he does it by comparing two family lineages or two family lines, one that followed God and one that didn't. Take a look. And so let me give you an example of the truth of generational, the, the power of parenting and generational influence. There was a study done in 1906, and they studied two men. One was a man named Jonathan Edwards, who was a powerful uh, minister, 
an evangelist, and there was another man named Max Jukes. And in 1906, they did a study that compared their descendants. Uh, Max Jukes, they were totally opposites. Uh, Jonathan Edwards was a very righteous man. Max Jukes was a drunk. Uh, Jonathan Edwards and his wife raised their family in a strong Christian environment. And as of 1906, here is a list of their descendants. 14 college presidents, more than 100 college professors, more than 100 lawyers, 30 judges and 60 physicians, more than 100 clergymen, missionaries and theology professors, 60 authors, three senators and a vice president of the United States. Came from one couple. Max Jukes did not raise his family. He was a drunk. He would disappear for days at a time and come home. It is estimated that Max Jukes' family, by the year 1906, had cost the state of New York $12 million, which would be over $100 million in today's terms. His family. And of his family that they could locate, there were 310 descendants in poverty, 150 criminals, 100 drunks, seven murderers, and one half of his female descendants were prostitutes. Now you talk about the power that parents make. Your behavior, who you are, is going to have a generational effect on your children. It's pretty powerful. The impact of godly parents cannot be overstated. And to, to put it even maybe heavier on us today, we, we need to feel the weight and significance of our parenting. What we don't want is this. We don't want our children to need recovery from our parenting. Now, we chuckle at that. But to some degree, it's also true. We don't want our children to need recovery from our parenting. I want to I want to commend the parents that are in this room and are online today and you are intentionally trying to follow Jesus and to inspire your children to do the same and you're you're looking for ways and you're trying to be intentional to bring in the truth about God in your family. You're maybe spending time with a devotion together or spending time in worship or prayer. You've plugged your family into a local church community. You're partnering with the EPAG Next Gen Ministries of youth and kids. I want you to know that that's not wasted effort that your impact will live on past you. Your impact, uh, call it legacy if you will, call it lasting reputation, whatever the case, but your impact will live on past you. Maybe you're in the opposite boat today. We've all probably been there at some point where we had to fight off the feelings, but maybe today you feel like you've failed, or maybe you recognize today in this conversation, wow, parenting is really significant, and I need to be more intentional with my children. I want to remind you today, it's not too late to start being the parents that God wants us to be. And it's not too late as grandparents even. That maybe you look back and you say, man, I wish we'd have done some things different. I wish I knew more now uh, than I knew more then of what I know now so that I could have done it differently. It's not too late as grandparents, whether it's good, bad, healthy, or unhealthy, it's not too late to help other parents along the journey. I want to call your attention one chapter back in Deuteronomy. We were in Deuteronomy chapter 6 a few moments ago. I want to, I want to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5 for a moment. Now, what we know about Deuteronomy chapter 5 and the book of Deuteronomy in general is that the Ten Commandments were repeated here. They were first given in the book of Exodus, which is about where we are in our Bible reading plan right now, and I encourage you to engage in that. If you've missed a few days, just catch up. 
There's this beautiful thing that you can even listen to the Bible app. And uh, I find myself listening and reading at the same time, and you can even read out loud so you can engage multiple senses at once. You're seeing it, you're hearing it, and you're speaking it. Okay? Just a thought for you today. Um, the, the Ten Commandments were given in Exodus, and they're repeated in Deuteronomy. And I'm going to read from the message paraphrase today, Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. God is talking, and he says, I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of a house of slaves. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything, whatever, whether things that fly or walk or swim. There were a lot of uh, beings that were called gods with a lowercase g in this time period. This is also the reason why in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see the, the quote that says, The Lord our God is one. It's not many gods, it's not many other beings, it's God himself. Okay? So, don't do any of these graven images. Don't bow to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I am a most jealous God. Notice this. I hold parents responsible for any sins they pass on to their children, to the third and, yes, even to the fourth generation. But I'm lovingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments. One translation says, my love extends to a thousand generations. If children grow up and learn to oppose God, and they're going to learn that by what we say, what we do, then not only are the parents suffering because they're not following Jesus, not only would we suffer if we're not paying attention to God and loving Him and living according to His Word, but then there are going to be consequences for those children who grow up not knowing the Lord. How do we see this play out today? We we see a number of, of people in the next generations in our world living in sinful ways, and many of them learn those ways from their parents. It grieves me sometimes when I see parents living and doing some of the things that they do. And I'm probably not talking about you in this room, okay? I know you guys are all fantastic parents, okay? But it grieves me just out in public. It could be a mom with kids in a shopping cart trying to unload the groceries in the back of a car and get the cart back to the line of carts over beside her car. And you hear this mom or you hear this parent screaming. I wish I could tell you that wasn't true. But it is. I mean, I've had that experience and I'm thinking, I could hear her from the other side of the parking lot. But it's not just about what the parent is doing in that moment. It's what is this putting into that child or those children? What is this ingraining in them? What is this teaching them about how we communicate and how we live? The unchurched, we've referenced a time or two, people who are not plugged into any local church community, that's just the tip of the iceberg. What we're ultimately talking about are next generations who, if they, if they don't grow up in a God-fearing home and a, a home that is focused on the Lord and His Word, then there's ultimately no reverence for God, no reverence for His Word, no lifestyle of following Jesus. And then Scripture says that these are the types of people, these are the people who end up living a wicked and immoral lifestyle. Some people have used through the years the term generational curses. And I, 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 think, I think I understand what most people mean by that term, but just for the sake of a moment here, uh, the term generational curses, I want to be careful with that terminology. Here's why. 
uh, I think people, when they use that term, mean uh, that it's intended to mean that children may struggle with things later in life because that example was passed on to them. All right. So you see in a family sometimes it seems like uh, alcoholism can pass on sometimes it seems like. It's like they learned it and it's a repeated behavior. That's just one example. Uh, there's so many different things we could talk about. What we don't want to do in using that kind of terminology is imply that a child has to live an ungodly, unhealthy life just because they came from that. The, the concern I have in using the term generational curse is people are almost implying that there's something over their life that cannot be undone or cannot be overcome. That minimizes the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I want to make sure we understand that. Because when Jesus died and finished the work, the work was finished. So that means any sin, any curse, any tendency, anything that even people grow up living and learning, that can be broken in the name of Jesus, the name that is still above every other name. People don't have to live that way. They can be free. They can have freedom. They can have healing. They can live a different life. Not to pick on her, but I... That's Amber's story. It's my wife's story. I see it in her life because I know that while there were moments where her family may have attended a local church or been inside a church building, what took place at home and what took place in life didn't, didn't align. There may have even been a message with the mouth, but it wasn't in actions. It got to the head, but never to the hands and the heart. And yet today, here she is being free from some of the very things that were issues in her family because the power of God is greater than that. So let's not minimize the work of Christ. And let's not assume that just because someone comes out of something, they've always got to live that way. That's not the case. People can be free. And people can learn, no matter where they come from, what a life of following Jesus really means. So next week, we're going to share some practical ways to inspire your kids to follow Jesus. If you're like me, I'm looking for bite-sized goals, practical steps, next steps on how to live this out. And I believe you have a heart to do it, because if, if, if you didn't have a heart to lead your family well, you wouldn't be here today, and your kids wouldn't be in kids' groups. And So I know you have a heart to do it, and, and you understand why it's important. We're talking about the significance of our role today, and so we want to help you live it out. What we ultimately understand is that we have a super significant role, the greatest role in the discipleship, the growth of our children. Which brings me to the question that I sense I should ask and give an opportunity for response. We talked a little bit today about how our present life is very shaped by our past and even by our parents. I said to you earlier that in premarital counseling, you find that very quickly. Uh, They're accustomed to who did what roles in the household, and they're accustomed to uh, mom and dad did this or acted in this way or whatever the case. Between the past, which could be filled with hurt, wounds, pain, maybe some that have had a healthy experience, but a lot that maybe haven't, and the parents, there may be some things today that are in you that you need to overcome. I had a conversation today, and we were talking about how sometimes in life, and sometimes it comes up in marriage or in parenting especially, you begin to realize, wait a minute, that's in there, and I don't like it.
I, I remember growing up, and I, I love my parents dearly. My mom passed away almost eight years ago, well, just over eight years ago now, just this week. And uh, my parents always had us in a local church community. I was so thankful for their involvement. And my dad's always had an incredible work ethic, super incredible work ethic. And I, I saw him, even if he wasn't working at his job, he would come home and he would be busy constantly. And he would, he would be doing something. Even if family came to visit from out of town, he, you were going to have to go out and work on the car with him in order to talk to him. Like, he wasn't just going to sit still. And I didn't realize in my life till years later, it, it took the voice of the Holy Spirit that sounds a lot like my wife to tell me, to tell me that I had some issue going on in there. I'd become convinced that if I wasn't being productive in a moment, I was being lazy. So there wasn't room for rest. There wasn't room for idle time. It was you got to be on the go. You got to keep doing these things. And it turned into our, our first roles in vocational ministry were unhealthy for me because of that. It's, it's the moments of realizing years later, wait a minute. Why is that little thing bothering me so much in my life? I always said I didn't want to be easily triggered like mom or dad, and here I am, I'm blowing up at nothing. Like, what's going on? And I know part of it probably was I'm an only child. I know, judge me if you want to, but I'm, I'm an only child. Some of you are like, yeah, we could have told you that. So, I'm an only child and, and grew up in a very quiet home, my dad had like bat sonic hearing, and so he could hear the TV from one end of the house to the other if the volume was on like two, okay? So I grew up in a very quiet house. Um, things can easily set people off when you're accustomed to a quiet environment. Well, I have three kids now, and they have a ton of energy. I mean... We really do try to parent our kids, I promise. And we really don't just give them donuts all the time. It's just at church, we like to be unhealthy, apparently. And so, uh, we, we, we really, we're trying, but, but I realized as we got later in life, later in marriage and later in having kids, I'm like, why is this bothering me so much? And you begin to realize, wait a minute, there's some things in there that may need to change. There's some things in there that... I used to think we're crazy, and I used to think nobody should be like this, and yet here I am. And I'm saying, okay, God, I, I want you to change me so I can be healthier in a place to raise my children. So I want to ask you today, have you recovered from the parenting you experienced? Are you in a place today where maybe there's some of those unhealthy things that have kind of transferred into your life and it's playing out in your home, it's playing out in your marriage, it's playing out in your parenting? What are you dealing with today in your life as a result of the parenting you experienced or maybe the parenting you didn't experience? Because some of you, you, you had an example in front of you. It might have been a poor one, but you had an example in front of you. Some people don't have an example, period. There's no concept of what it looks like. It's, it's like in the church world today as a pastor, and I think I have friends who would agree with me, that, that when you start talking about a church should be a family unit or like a family, people are like, well, I don't want to go there because their family's broken and jacked up in a mess. 
You talk about God being this loving, patient father, and they're like, no way, Jose, my dad wasn't like that at all. I don't want anything to do with that. Sounds silly to some of us that maybe had a healthy dynamic, or maybe some of us that it wasn't like what we could describe happening in our world today. But the reality is there are some people who, they they didn't have any example. There's no concept of what a healthy family, a healthy marriage, and healthy parenting, a healthy home looks like. And so today, you may need to recover from some of those things in your own life. What has shaped your life? What has shaped your perspective? What has shaped your actions? Today, it may be the prayer of, Lord, uh, bring awareness in my life. Or maybe you have some awareness, and today, it's about coming to this place of forgiveness. Maybe for some bad things. Maybe healing from some bad things. Maybe you need to forgive parent or parents who were just totally absent. And today you feel like you're dealing with so much because whatever that was, wasn't healthy. Maybe you're coming to the Lord today and you're saying, I want to learn what is it really like to be a healthy family. What is it like for me to have a healthy marriage and to be a healthy parent in navigating this life? Here's here's what I ultimately know. Even if you grew up in an unhealthy family dynamic, you can make the decision today, it stops with me. For some people, I absolutely believe it's about drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm done with this. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a victim of this anymore. I'm not going to live this way anymore just because that's how I've lived in the past. I am drawing a line in the sand, and I'm going to say, as Joshua, me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so I can't undo what's been done before, but I can heal from it now, and I can go forward in a healthy way with my family. You don't have to give way to those things. You don't have to live in those bondages. You don't have to live with those wounds. God can help you. God can heal you. God can empower you to live differently. So you say today, look, God, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking for your help because I don't want to live like that in the past. It stops with me. Not any further. Not my kids. Not my grandkids. Not my home right now. Not the people I'm interacting. It's not going to continue the way it's been. It stops with me. And ultimately, when we talk about leading our homes in this healthy way, we're also asking, have you made the decision to follow Jesus in your life? Because if you haven't done that, that's your starting point today. How would you ever teach your family and your children to follow Jesus if it's not something you're doing yourself? How could you teach your kids to love God if maybe you and God have some space between you right now and and you're really not paying much attention to him yourself. It's okay. If, If you're there and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or today you once made that decision, you once prayed a prayer, you once responded to an altar call, you once had that, let's call it for simplicity's sake, an emotional moment where you knew you and God were meeting together, but yet today you recognize you're not where you were. That passion, that love for Him, that love for His Word, that desire to grow, that desire to be with Him, you're recognizing their space, and, and we ultimately know it's not God that moves because God says, if you'll draw me near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you seek, you will find. We know He promises to be known. And you're recognizing today, you know what, maybe part of the reason I'm not 
leading my family in a healthy way is I'm not where I need to be. My heart's not right. My mind's not right. My life's not right. So today I want us to take some time to respond in whatever way that is. If you're in the room today, would you stand with me? If you're online, I'd love for you to take a moment. This might be a moment if you're online today in your home, maybe even sick family members today. I know that that can be the case sometimes. This might be a moment for you and your family to pray together. I'm going to ask our prayer team members if they'll make their way up. And on either side of the auditorium today, in a few moments, I'm going to pray over you, and then you're going to have an opportunity to respond. How should you respond? Well, that can be answered in multiple ways. You can be right where you are today. You can kneel or sit, and you can pray and talk to the Lord, you and God. You can come forward and meet with someone who will talk with you, who will pray with you, who will encourage you, and who will point you to Jesus. They'll be happy to pray with you. Even if it's this particular conversation, or maybe it's just a need you have in your life that's really burdensome on you today. Another way that you can respond is to find someone that's next to you or near you and say, hey, can we pray together? Can we can we especially, you know, maybe your maybe your spouse is standing next to you today and you just want to say, hey, can we pray over our home or can we pray over our kids or can we just ask God to help us in the way we lead? So many different ways you can respond. And it's probably one of three things. You're either making a decision to follow Jesus today and you want to talk with someone and pray to do that. Or you're you're recognizing in your own personal life there's some healing and some recovery that needs to take place. You're recognizing, you know. Growing up wasn't great at all, and I, I need to. There's still some junk in here that needs to go. So you're coming to God and you're saying, God, would you clean the junk out? Would you, would you help me here to know what it truly means to have a healthy family? Or maybe you're just a parent in the room or online and you're saying, Hey, God, I, I don't think I'm carrying baggage. If I am pointed out, great, lead me on the right path. But ultimately, God, I'm a parent. I just know I need wisdom. And I think all of us could pray that prayer. Or maybe your grandparents. And your role as grandparents could be a lot of different ways. You might be the grandparents who sugar the kids up and send them home. And they've got a healthy home dynamic. Or you may be the grandparents who are basically serving as parents. So you may be saying, God, I need wisdom. How do I navigate this? I think if we will seek the Lord and ask for His help, He's always faithful to help us. The Holy Spirit will help us. There's a verse in Scripture, and I'll leave you with this. In Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's he's talking to them about the intercession of the Holy Spirit. And he says something to the effect of, when, when there's times when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit makes intercession for us in wordless groans, things that we don't understand in ourselves. But what I love is the statement right before he talks about that prayer. Right before he says, for example, this is how he helps us. I love that right before that he says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Prayer is just one example. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, period. The reality is we all have weak spots, right? We all have spots we're wanting to grow. We all want to just continue to be developed by the Lord. And so we're coming to Him and saying, Lord, would you help us in our weakness? on this journey no matter how you respond today I just challenge you to respond and let the Lord work in your life would you pray with me Father 
thank you so much for your word. I am so grateful for how you lead us and how you speak to us. I believe, oh God, that you're speaking to hearts today. And there are some hearts that may not know you, uh, may have never had a relationship with you. But right now, Holy Spirit, we're trusting you're, you're tugging on those hearts. You're helping people to see their need for you, Jesus. And they're going to respond and find a brand new journey with you. I believe there are some today, God, who come from an unhealthy dynamic. It could be a lot of different things, but Lord, today we recognize and declare according to your word that we don't have to stay in that spot. We don't have to live in those hurts and wounds, God. We can be free. We can be healed. We can be restored. We can live differently from even the worst of things that we've seen or experienced. So we come to you. And God, as parents and grandparents and even even spiritual moms and dads of, of serving in that type of role to people who may not be our biological children, but you've given us this opportunity. Lord, we just pray for wisdom. How can we inspire our children to follow Jesus? How can we disciple them? How can we, as we are going in this life, how can we make disciples? God, we surrender to you because we know we need wisdom. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. So would you do a deep work in us? As we come to you in honesty and humility, would you do a deep work in our hearts? May it bleed into everything we do. May it bleed into our homes. May our, may our homes, our marriages, our parenting, may everything about it be growing in you and equipped by the Holy Spirit and be impactful for the future as well. Now, Father, as we respond today, I pray that you would bless and keep this people and you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Would your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and would you grant them your peace? Touch those who are sick in body today. Bring healing. Keep us safe and well and whole. And may we hear from you, cherish your words, and walk in obedience. And even as we go, May we inspire others to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take some time to respond today. God bless you.